This week on The Outlaw Lawyer, Joe and I have a lot to talk about. The NFL lawsuit made a lot of headlines. Sarah Palin's lawsuit against the New York Times is in trial. Lots to talk about there. And the reoccurring issue of no-knock warrants comes up again. And now, Outlaw Lawyer. Welcome into the Outlaw Lawyer. We have Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, the managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. They're practicing attorneys here in North Carolina, and they host this show, the Outlaw Lawyers, each and every week. They have 46 combined years' experience and offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. And we talk legal topics each and every week. If you have a situation that you're going through and you've got some questions and you need some legal help, I've got a number for you, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Give that number a call. Leave your contact information, briefly what the call's about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch with you. You can always email your questions to the program, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We get into all kinds of topics, and boy, we got some good ones today. Guys, welcome in, and certainly let's just get started. Hey, you guys ready for the Super Bowl? <laughs> yes. Oh, and, and and I know you're probably going to ask this, but I'm going to jump the gun. I'm going to say, what's your favorite food for a Super Bowl gathering? You know, I, we spent some time thinking about this. You know, me and my wife, uh, I'm a, I, I think I consider myself an old person. I enjoy leisurely watching CBS Sunday mornings, a lot of Sundays. I'm there. Um, I like that show. I do. I enjoy it very much. I, and a couple of uh, weeks ago, they had a, something I had seen before, but they had a special on a, a company called uh, Gold Belly. Gold Belly hasn't paid us any money to talk about them, but it was an interesting concept. Gold Belly is a company that, you know, they take this famous food from different regions of the U.S. and they figure out how to package it and, and get it to you um, so that you can, you know, heat it up and enjoy it. So, you know, you got Chicago deep dish pizza, you got all this stuff that you can order. Um and so we decided we would do that for the, we've never done that before. We decided we'd do that for the Super Bowl. The kids are really pumped about the Super Bowl. And um, so did you go deep dish? Is that what you did? No, I, I wanted to go deep dish because I figured that would be the thing that heats up the best that kind of tastes like. But no, I got outvoted. And so we did uh, Philly cheesesteaks oh. from Philly. So we got some cheesesteaks coming in. Nice. So I'm pretty excited about that. But um, how about you? How about you guys? Josh, I, I'm gonna first, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and comment on Gold Belly first and <laughs> foremost. I feel bad because I've been on the Gold Belly train for <laughs> oh, for a while now. Okay, and, uh, I hadn't heard you talk about it. I didn't even know. Yeah, that. well, it's it was my secret, and uh, I didn't want to <laughs> share it with you. I didn't want you to mess up the turnaround time on the food I was ordering. So, no, we. So I, I've done it. I, I think I saw like a someone I know on Facebook had ordered some stuff from somewhere. This was like several months ago, and uh, I was doing this this dumb diet where I, I don't like I eat very well and then you have like one cheat meal a week gotcha and that one cheat meal I'd order something just completely ignorant from gold belly so I had ordered like 30 cinnamon rolls from some place they were supposed to be the best in America and it it's legit man you know they send it to you I guess it's it depends on where you order from but they do send it to you with like instructions on exactly how to to reheat and prepare mm. and uh it, it seems legit, and they, you know, it. The service was great. We got it on time. It was quick. The cinnamon rolls were delicious. But um, <laughs> to, to answer your Super Bowl related question, I, I'm just gonna go straight up simple. I'm just gonna say wings. Any kind of wings. 
I feel like wings and the Super Bowl go together very well. I, yeah. I'm a wing guy too, guys. And uh, I think this year I'm going to have to take out a loan just to buy some wings because they're so right. expensive. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I love I love bone in wings. I uh, can't can't really beat it. Uh, you know, and I'm I'm kind of Asian zing. I like that spice on there. Uh, but I'm uh, I'm I'm currently dating, uh, and will I mean this is it for me. And she's a vegetarian, so I have to be you know mindful of that. And uh, so deboning a wing like I like to not preferred in our house. Oh, wow. Could you just turn uh, your back and do it? Uh, have to run into the it. next room. Yeah. We, have a wing, we have a wing room. I'm going to yeah. eat these wings real quick. That's a, good a wing room, that's a good idea, man. Yeah. Well, you know, we were talking last week, we spent a lot of time talking about uh, legal betting in North Carolina and how it's on the horizon. And so I was reading, in a, getting ready for today's uh, show, I was reading and I read a headline, I don't know what outlet it was on, but it said a record 31.5 million Americans have played some sort of bet on the Super Bowl and see Super Bowl Sunday we're recording on Wednesday so I read this Tuesday Um, so I'm sure before we get to the Super Bowl that number is going to be what twice that so again just kind of showing we all we all we're all out there betting on sports breaking the law well and that that doesn't include you know the friend bet you know uh, true those those are bets they're just monitoring I mean think about all the bets we have with our friends on any particular game, but especially the Super Bowl. Look, Josh, not everyone's breaking the law. There's several jurisdictions where it is perfectly legal to bet on the oh, Super that's Bowl. That's true. So, yeah, you know, and I, could, I, I, go ahead. It very well could be that, that these are all legal bets. I doubt it. Um, and you know what? Here's what's funny. I wonder if that 31.5 million is just a calculation of the, the legal bets only and how many bets there would be if you could tally up like the offshore books and the the under the table like bookie that runs out of a pawn shop type of bets and things like that. It probably would be a, a infinite degree higher factor than 31.5 million. And I tell you as somebody, you know, betting aside as somebody who was raised in the, in the early to mid nineties, I can't remember the last time I've been this pumped about a halftime show. This halftime show is going to be awesome for the old people like me. You know, you can bet on the halftime show, and uh, there is a – I have seen there's a prop bet, that, and it's a bet whether or not uh, Snoop Dogg smokes marijuana during the halftime show. <laughs> and I think the odds are like plus 200 that he, he doesn't. So what, I think what, that's a decent bet. And again, guys, you're in, the, you're in the legal side of this. Do we know what the status is of marijuana uh, in California? I mean, can they, can they light up there? Yeah, I don't know the exact. I don't know the in exact public building. Yeah, in a rules. public menu, Yeah, I don't know. I can't speak as to the exact. I don't think Snoop Dogg cares. That's going to be no. that. I don't think he really cares. It, what he may care about is if he's been like advised by network sponsors not to. <laughs> but even then, I don't know that he really cares. I, you know, that's a. You might want to sprinkle a little bit on that 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 bet for the Snoop Dogg lighting up <laughs> at halftime. We, I've been very, I've been very militant over the years. You know, you see all these uh, when we get close to the Super Bowl, they kind of rate the halftime performances. You know, from from best to to worst, and, and I've been militant. You know, the best halftime show of all time it was Michael Jackson. Yeah, I'm, that's that's the best. And people argue with me it was Prince or Tom Petty. I was like, no, you're wrong. It yeah, Michael I think Jackson they're wrong is, too. I, I agree. I tend to agree with you uh, if and, we're gonna uh, rate them. I don't. I'm. I'm excited that maybe, just maybe, this year's halftime show 
it might get close. It might get close to that uh, that Michael Jackson performance. It could, man. It could. There's a lot of potential there. You're this putting a the- lot of pressure on Snoop Dogg. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he's got a lot of backup with him too. You know. Yeah, there's a lot of folks. Like I, I wonder. I know how they sometimes they make you do medleys and stuff because you got time constraints and what they got like four or five performers who all have like lots of you know music to draw on. So I'm really interested to see how they put all this together. I think it'll be good, um, man. And I think the game, I, I'm pretty intrigued about the game. Who who do you have? This doesn't count against our prediction record, by the way. We're going to separate our sports predictions from our legal predictions. Okay. But who, who do you have in the game, Josh? Well, I know the Chiefs are in it. I don't remember the other what? team offhand. Wait, I don't Josh? Remember. Whoa, The hello? Chiefs? How are the Chiefs? Did you no. stop watching, did you stop watching the game? Oh, that's yeah. right. The Chiefs are done. The Rams did are in it. Did you turn it off the the, when it. the Bengals were down at <laughs> halftime? Uh... Yeah, well, we were together. I saw that game. Yeah, I think we yeah, were in the same room. That was an amazing game. game. You were watching the hockey game while I was watching the football uh, game. Yeah, Cin- I kept Cin- telling you, like, Cincinnati, hey, Josh, this is going well. Yeah. Cincinnati <laughs> and the Rams, our sports credibility just went in the toilet. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so it's it's Look, man. it's Cincinnati and the Rams. So it's obviously – I'm not even going to ask you what Yeah, Joe, go ahead and break Josh. it down for us because Josh Morgan, didn't what is know your prediction teams. for the game? All right, my prediction is L.A. Rams defensive line against Cincinnati's offensive line, and a lot of people have talked about about it uh you know cincinnati has some issues there um the la rams man it is just like a pro bowl defensive line uh fantastic but there's a lot of pressure on the home team and cincinnati has won three road games so i i I think i think cincinnati uh not karen coming in and i i I don't know i i think it could go cincinnati's way but you know pay on paper rams yeah i this is my prediction and it's very similar to what you're thinking too so I think the Rams are, are better as a team, top to bottom. If you look at each unit, offense, defense, lines, I think there's a big problem with the offensive line uh, of the, the Bengals versus the defensive line of the Rams. All of that is true. Um, on paper, like you said, Rams, they've got the – they're at home. I know there's pressure there, but I think that's also a big benefit to them. Um, so all of that in the Rams' favor. But I just have this feeling that Joe Burrow is just like blessed by God and, and uh, there's some kind of magic about him – and he's going to find some way to win the game. That's kind of where I'm leaning right now. So, I, But it's tough, man. I don't know. I'm torn. I have not decided my theoretical bet that I will place on this game as of yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to double down on the Chiefs. I'm going to go on the Chiefs. <laughs> Look, man, the odds on the Chiefs winning the, Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> it was like the, a COVID uh, cancellation for the Bengals, and they just call the Chiefs in as the last team they played. <laughs> what a score that would be. I, uh, hey, man, just in my defense – like once my teams are out, like I, I'm the same thing with like the NCAA tournament. Once, once my teams are out, I'm done. Like I barely, I can I give you that attention. for the NCAA tournament, but it's the Super Bowl, Josh. Oh, well, I'm gonna watch it. I'm not. I but mean, exi- but you should. Know, that's not hard to know, man. It's very. I think my grandmother knows, and she <laughs> has watched zero football games this year. Mm. I love any, it. I love it, Josh. It makes the show, man, awesome. Any, anywho, I. Uh, well, you might be surprised we're not a sports talk uh, radio show. We actually like to talk about legal stuff, and, and we got a little bit of overlap today. So we always talk about sports because, believe it or not, we're sports fans, even me, who, who didn't know who was playing in the Super Bowl. But we are sports fans. So we got a little bit of overlap today. So we're going to spend some time talking about uh, Brian Flores, the coach of the Miami Dolphins, was was terminated and has filed a lawsuit that is, from an attorney's perspective, uh, very interesting. Um, so we're going to spend some time talking about that today. 
uh, Sarah Palin has a ongoing and uh, it's been around for a little bit, but it's finally getting to trial. She has a libel suit against the New York Times, which I find very interesting. Um, you know, journalism is, is something that I like to follow and how things are reported. And so this is a very interesting case from my perspective. And then the, the no knock warrant uh, that keeps uh, kind of showing up. Uh, we got we got uh, someone Amir Locke who passed away was uh, was shot uh, while folks were serving a no knock warrant. Um, so we want to spend some time talking about those. Those are all things I saw in the news this week that were were legal that I thought we'd spend some time on today. So definitely a lot to talk about today. Okay, well, we'll get into it. The Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. You can find them at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, managing partners there, practicing attorneys here in the great state of North Carolina. 46 combined years experience between these two. And offices everywhere you turn, Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. If you've got your own legal issue and you've got a question, uh, we've got a number for you, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact information and... uh, um, briefly what the call is about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. You can also email your question to the show, and we'll answer it on an upcoming show. Questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. And as always, go to the website, kick the tires there, theoutlawlawyer.com. Uh, we're back right after this. to the Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer of Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. They're managing partners there, practicing attorneys here in North Carolina, and offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. And you don't do that overnight, folks. They have 46 combined years' experience between the two of them. And if you've got a legal situation and you need some answers, I've got a phone number for you, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. And just leave your contact information, briefly what the call's about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. And you can always email your questions to the show, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com, and we'll answer those questions in an upcoming episode. And visit the website, theoutlawlawyer.com. We're going to go to the NFL, the Shield. Guys, let's go. So, Morgan, I, I thought this was interesting. You know, last week I was eating dinner, and I, I think I flipped on Sports Center or something, and uh, I was trying to figure out some scores or what was going on, and, and this had just dropped. And so uh, Brian Flores was the head coach of Miami for a couple of seasons. He got terminated after, I think, what most people would call a pretty decent season, uh, if you look at where Miami had been and where they were headed. Um, so he kind of got fired, and it was kind of odd. Uh, things like that happen, I guess. But then he, and and Morgan, this is my opinion. I'm assuming he didn't start working on this lawsuit that he filed after he got fired. I assume he's been working on this for a while. This isn't the kind of thing you just drop after a couple of weeks. Um, but anyway, he filed a class action lawsuit. Now it says class action lawsuit. I don't know of anybody else who has joined. I mean, I guess they're opening it up to potential uh, additional plaintiffs. Uh, but basically against the NFL, named a couple of teams that he has experience with and then named potential defendants, uh, you know, potentially all the teams are involved, uh, but basically just attacked the NFL's hiring practices uh, as it as it relates to racial discrimination and, and, and things they've got going on. But this was just, I mean, this was a bombshell. This is not good news if you're a big NFL fan. 
Well, and and I'll just throw this in too. I mean, timing is everything. I mean, you've got all eyes on the NFL with the Super Bowl coming up, the playoffs. Obviously, uh, when this uh, this bomb went off. Uh, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you. This this is something that's been in in the works. Uh, there, part of the story is is uh, Coach Flores is you know alleging uh, that the Dolphins wanted him back in 2019. Uh, to tank so they would have a better position uh, in the draft uh, so they could build on that franchise. And Flores has said uh, publicly that he was offered $100,000 per loss in bonuses uh, back in 2019, and he refused to do it. Um, And that's his side of the story. The Dolphins are saying that did not happen. Obviously, they're denying it. Uh, But uh, Hugh Jackson, uh, former Cleveland Browns head coach, said he was basically offered a similar deal when he was in Cleveland. Uh, So this this is not going away. And this is about integrity. And the NFL is taking it very seriously uh, because we you know, we we joke about prop bets and we're talking about all these different things with the Super Bowl. uh, But it's a big deal. And if you've got uh, ownership that's trying to influence the outcome of games with bonuses to their own employees, I mean, uh, you, you are talking about the integrity of your league. And so the NFL is going to take it very, very seriously. And, and there's a distinction there, Morgan, because it makes sense to us to incentivize a coach with with monetary bonuses to win, sure. obviously. You know, that that's no one's going to look at that. I mean, that's the purpose of the sport. Um, but it's looked upon with great disfavor. And it, and it makes you feel strange when it's when it's the alternative. Anytime you talk about a team taking a dive – it, it's going to give you pause, not only as a, as a fan, but then as, like you said, we've got this growing industry of sports betting, um, multi-billion dollar industry, and that really affects that, and, it, and it's going to really affect the, uh, a lot of that. So, yeah, it gives you pause, and but at the same time, it, it, you know, you understand everybody, if you're a sports fan, especially if you, I mean, really any sport, you know, NBA, uh, NFL, you understand the concept of of tanking in those sports and it's it's difficult because these are seasons aren't you know each individual season is kind of looked at in a vacuum but these organizations they're looking long term and they are looking at things from the perspective of how how can we build to the future as well so if you've got a team that you know, they know they're not going to win a ton of games this year. They know they're not going to be in contention and they can improve their ability to draft better players in the future. It's almost like a natural inclination and it's almost an intelligent strategy. It's hard to say that, but it's almost an intelligent strategy that you wouldn't want to win. You'd want to increase the likelihood that you can bring in some game changer type of players. So it's a, it's a really strange balance there. You know, I always think about this. I try to think about things practically. You know, there's the, there's the, you know, the, these are billionaire owners, right? These owners aren't millionaires. They're, they're billionaires. And these are like their side hustles, right? You know, we think about a, an NFL franchise as, you know, this, you know, super valuable commodity and, you know, and it is. But the people that have enough money to own an NFL franchise and, are rich beyond what we can even, you know, contemplate. I think most normal people, I'm including myself as normal people, you know, like, and, and this is their, I, I think about it like this is just their plaything, right? You know, they have to obey laws and stuff, but I don't know that, 
you know, what Brian, Brian Flores to me, and I noticed it this year, you know, I'm married into the Bills. And so I watched the Bills play Miami twice. I think I saw him play Jacksonville. I saw Miami play like four or five games this year. And that team played good. You know, I don't know much about him. I know they've, they've had a rough couple of years, but I think Brian Flores is probably by all accounts, a, a good coach. And, so and, and that's not lawsuit, even the right, that's that, you know, they say they've had a, a rough couple of years. And I mean, again, you don't, I'm not holding this against you. You don't even know who's playing in the Super Bowl, for goodness <laughs> sake, Josh. But uh, no, they've they Flores actually posted the first back-to-back winning seasons in the last couple of years that the Dolphins have had since 2003. So they've actually had arguably their two best seasons in what that's close to 20 years now uh, under under his tenure. Um, so shocking to say the least that he would be terminated when he's you know produced results of that nature look man all i can tell you is on 1998 nfl quarterback club brett Favre was on the cover but if you give me i think marino was still there so if you give me the dolphins with marino i'll beat you on that game (laughs) well and 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 i also want i also want to jump in and 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 say you know we're talking about coach flores because you know he has this uh, lawsuit class action lawsuit against the league and the 32 franchises and it it was all sparked from a text from bill belichick that it went to the wrong brian and it was for the giants position and you know congratulations and it was the wrong brian and the problem is brian flores was scheduled to interview for that position in the coming days. So they had already uh, made the decision and they were still going to bring in Brian Flores to interview. And that's what caused this kind of this, this domino effect we're seeing right now. And, you know, and now all of a sudden Hugh Jackson is, is has jumped in about, you know, tanking games, being asked to do it when he was with Cleveland. And so now it's just this big swirl. But the NFL's got an issue, and and they are very good about being Teflon. Things don't stick to the league, it seems. I I saw Marvin Lewis came out, too. I think I was reading this yesterday, and I I always liked Marvin Lewis. He interviewed with the Panthers, and I I really wanted him to be the Panthers uh, coaches back when we had a lot of good defensive players. And, um, you know, I saw he came out, and he was starting to say, oh, yeah, this has been my experience. I think he was more commentating on the – uh, the rule where if you're going to hire a coach, you have to hire, you know, the NFL's got this rule where you have to interview at least one minority candidate. And that's part of Brian Flores. I think that's the meat of his lawsuit is that this is just a scam. The interviews he went on weren't very serious. And, and, and a lot of them, he could tell that, you know, he was just being interviewed to satisfy this, this rule. So this racial discrimination, I think this is the bulk of uh, Mr. Flores's claim. And, and it, I mean, on paper, the claim looks just from what you see in the media you know, the NFL can't really hide much. You know, it's popular. The media follows it. Like, yeah, it, it, to me, it, it doesn't look good. You know, um, racial discrimination in, in hiring practices is, is, to me, in my opinion, is just a tough thing to prove. But it seems like, they got, you know, a lot of the facts they need to prove this are just out there. And then if the Marvin Lewis's and the Hugh Jackson's of the world get in this with Brian, uh, you know, there's just going to be, there's just a lot there that doesn't look good when you put it all together. I don't, and I don't know, Brian Flores doesn't seem like he's really out for money on this one. This really seems like he intends for this to be uh, a game changer. He wants, he wants to make change. I was reading some of his quotes and, you know, he saved his money and, 
And this is a this isn't about money. This is about you know changing things. And and that's I very, think you said it. You know, I think that's the that's the big piece. That's what I was going to get to is the fact that it's not like he's like you said he's not really suing to 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 recover monetary damages right. and to uh, to to get himself rich in this situation. And and that's my prediction for what what comes from this because like you said, it doesn't look great. I, I think we can agree it doesn't look fantastic. Um, and I think what's going to end up coming from this is going to be some form of, you know, sweeping change. And that's what's actually been proposed at this point is to uh, to basically kind of they want to shine a light on racial injustice as they see it inside the NFL. And so they've actually presented in the lawsuit, you know, several bullet points of what they want to see addressed. And I, and I agree with you. I think that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a vehicle to further implement this change and and take care of some of these things that have really been taught. I mean, if you follow the NFL, these are things that have been talked about for, you know, as long as you can remember, you know, it's, it's been discussed that there's an issue with racial diversity, especially at that higher level, you know, at the, at the, the player level, you know, you see a, a league that's, that's the majority of players in the league, of, of course, are, are uh, minority players. And, but then at the, the higher level, you don't see that same level of representation. And so it's been something that's been discussed for a long time. And I think this lawsuit is going to be, again, that vehicle to really push forward some some sweeping change. Yeah, I think if the law firm of Whitaker and Hamer represent the NFL, I think we'd be having a hard conversation with the NFL. I'd be like, you know, Roger, this ain't this isn't good. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. not. And you're talking about we live in a different time. We've talked about it all the time. We live in a different time than we we have before where the people in general uh, have so much more of a, a voice and that being just the general public and, and issues like these are the exact issues that really fire people up and, and get, get folks, you know, out there uh, behind their keyboards, really mounting up, so to speak, and going to, to bat for causes. And this is the type of thing that does that. And it's not something that you're going to be able to quietly make, you know, go away you know, it's going to be a problem and it's going to be something they're going to have to deal with. And it, it's not going away, man, unless there is some concrete addressing of this, these issues. And I want to I know we're coming up against a break, but I want to backtrack a little bit. Did you, Joe, you had a Nintendo 64, right? You, you, you had a Nintendo 64. I did, Josh. I did have a Nintendo 64. Was Madden on the Nintendo 64? Because I don't feel like I had Madden. I feel like I only had this NFL quarterback club game. It doesn't seem like there'd be more than one NFL game on uh on the Nintendo 64. Do you know that's yeah, something you yeah. know off the top of your head? Yeah, there was Madden Football 64. There was Madden On the Football Nintendo 64. 64. On the Nintendo what it, it wasn't the 64th Madden game, Josh. So yes, they had Madden 64, Madden 99. There were several Nintendo 64 uh uh Madden games. And then, you know, you go from the Nintendo 64 to the uh, the Sega Dreamcast was kind of the next the next thing. That's, that's the one that had when, Randy Moss. Yeah, that's the one that. But NFL, that's when the two. That's when the the NFL Two K series it man, was that introduced. Was a good game. The Two K was honestly a superior football series while it while it lasted, and then it's back to kind of Madden has the monopoly on it. And uh, I don't know how we got on this topic, but yeah, yeah, there was a Madden game for for the sixty four. Josh, we you know this again has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I tell you what, man. I, somebody needs to do like a economic study on why the Sega Dreamcast didn't become the most dominant. We should be playing Dreamcast right now instead of PlayStations and uh, and whatever the the Xbox. It should be all Dreamcast. But yeah, that's neither here nor there. 
Yeah, and 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 just again, this is neither here nor there. We could probably talk about this a long time because I've actually done some research into that very question. And it's funny you mentioned it. One of the main reasons why is the fact that the Dreamcast didn't have access to those EA Sports titles, which is where where of course Madden came from. Um, and so that even though I think the two K series was a superior series, they didn't get any of those EA games, and that was a big big piece of the puzzle there gentlemen we need to take a break you're listening to the outlaw lawyers josh whitaker and joe hamer whitaker and hamer law firm they're the managing partners there and practicing attorneys here in the great state of north carolina 46 combined years experience between these two raleigh garner clayton goldsboro fuquay arena and gastonia is where you can find their offices if you've got a legal question of your own you can call 800-659-1186 that's 800-659-1186 and leave your contact information briefly what the call's about and an attorney with whitaker and hamer will return that phone call. You can also send your question to questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We'll answer them on an upcoming show. And visit the website, theoutlawlawyer.com. Palin versus the New York Times is coming up next. Welcome back into the Outlaw Lawyer. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, your host. You can find them at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, managing partners there and practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. 46 combined years experience between these two and offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. Easy for me to say. I'm Morgan Patrick consumer advocate guys uh, we got a lot to get to it was a lot of fun having that conversation about the nfl uh, we didn't even really get to the rooney rule uh, something we'll probably have uh, time to get to in, in later episodes but folks palin versus the new york times so i i forgot about this one for a while uh you know one of the reasons we we me and joe started doing this show there's a couple of reasons but one of the reasons we started doing it is because um, I came up as a, a journalism major in undergrad or, and, and worked, you know, in small town newspapers for a while before I went to law school. But, but I've always been interested in how stories are reported on, how they're presented, uh, you know, just kind of bias. Um, even before we got to Fox News and CNN and MSN, like just, you know, just bias in journalism has always been interesting to me. As I got into the law, it's been interesting to see how, you know, legal things are reported on what's left out, you know, what, how they're presented. And so anyway, Sarah Palin, you, you don't have to be a fan of Sarah Palin to appreciate what's going on here. But Sarah Palin obviously is a, is a public figure, um, was a VP uh, candidate and has stayed kind of in reality TV, kind of that CD level celebrity. Um and we won't go into it too much because I don't want to bore our listeners, but basically the New York Times uh, had an editorial that ran, uh, I can't think it was 2017, 2016, anyway, a few years back. Um, and the the whole deal is this editorial kind of insinuated um, that some gun violence and some deaths were maybe on Sarah Palin's hands because her, you know, the way she supported gun rights. And, and again, we won't go into it, uh, but this editorial was produced edited and printed by the New York times that kind of blamed Sarah Palin, I think for, um, I can't remember the name of the, was it the Senator of the house member that was murdered in Arizona? Uh, man, I just drew a blank, but anyway, um, that she maybe had some responsibility in that, um, 
anyway, so it's kind of a weird situation. Um, but this brings us back, you know, Palin, Miss Palin thought she was defamed by this editorial. Um, and so she filed a libel action against the New York Times. And the New York Times has a long storied history where if you're going to sue us for libel, we're going to defend it. We're going to trial. It's either going to get dismissed. We know we're not settling. We we report on the news. And um, and so this takes us back to some Supreme Court cases. And, and Joe, I didn't talk to you about this ahead of time. Um, but but in our notes here, we talk a lot about New York Times v. Sullivan, and that's the Supreme Court case that kind of set the line on how a public figure, which Miss Palin is, how they can sue uh, for libel, for defamation against a media outlet, a newspaper um, who who has printed something maybe that's derogatory or, or not nice. Um, but you want to tell us about that one? Yeah, you know, so when we talk about when we talk about this this whole the the idea of libel in general, especially when you talk about the press, you, you get into the concept that we've talked about in the past, the competing interests of that First Amendment right, uh, the freedom of speech, freedom of the press. You get into how that ba- balances out against you know the fact that you can't just literally say anything you want especially when you you are the press and when you have that when you have you know the ability to reach so many people to influence the masses there's going to be a, there's going to be a, a line drawn somewhere where you can't again just say anything especially something that's false and especially something that is going to to really damage the reputation of, of someone else by by the fact that it is false and so basically what we had was uh with this case the the new york times v sullivan during the civil rights movement of the 60s the new york times they published an ad uh, for contributing donations to defend martin luther king jr on perjury charges that he was facing at the time and the, the ad contained several minor factual inaccuracies um this the city's public safety commissioner at the time who was lb sullivan he felt that the, the criticism that was was placed against his subordinates at, at the time reflected on him. And even though he wasn't mentioned in the ad, he sent a written request to the Times asking them to publicly retract the information, which is what was required at the time when a public figure was seeking punitive damages and a libel action under the Alabama law. Um, so when the Times refused and claimed that they were kind of puzzled by his request, Sullivan filed his libel action against the Times and against a group of African-American ministers that were mentioned in the ad. So a a jury in state court awarded him $500,000 in damages. The state Supreme Court affirmed, and then the Times ultimately appealed to the Supreme Court, where the, the question really was, did Alabama's libel law unconstitutionally infringe on the First Amendment freedom of speech and freedom of press protections. So yeah, this is a this is a well, we say this a lot. This is a slippery slope. You don't want the press to be able to print just absolutely anything they 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 want to, uh, whether it's you know true or not true or, or mean spirited or you know intended to affect uh, readership. You know, so you, that's the Supreme Court balance. This you know we need a we need a press that's free to talk about leaders and talk about powerful people and report the news. Um, but you also don't want them to have just a carte blanche to do anything they want to. And so this case, uh, there's a lot in this lineage, uh, more than we have time to discuss now. But uh, that was the ruling. The New York Times won the Supreme Court case because they said they needed 
actual the, the plaintiff, uh, the public figure, the guy in Alabama needed to show there was actual malice because he was a public figure. Um, and actual malice doesn't necessarily mean bad intent. It just means it can be reckless negligence. You didn't fact check this. You didn't, you didn't do your, your due diligence. This should have never made it to print. And so here the New York times ever since then has taken a really strong position. You know, we report the news. You don't like it. You think we've done something. You think you've been libeled. You think you've been defamed. You sue us and we'll, we'll see you in court. And, and a lot of these court decisions have favored, uh, newspapers over, over the years. And so, uh, Sarah Palin, uh, again, no matter what you may think of her, uh, this is uh, this is towing the line. You know, there's some evidence that's come out there. They've had uh, some editors on the stand and the person who wrote the piece on the stand. And there's some conversations that the editorial board had about what they wanted this to reflect. And so you, I think for the first time in, in decades, we've got a case where the New York Times looks like maybe they they might have some actual malice here or at least close to it a jury might be convinced that they kind of maybe had it out for sarah palin and they were uh you know really trying to make her look bad linking her to the shooting and in my notes it was u.s representative gabby giffords and i remember when that happened there was a yeah she was giffords was seriously wounded and a a nine-year-old girl among others were actually killed in the attack and this and this editorial kind of made you know uh, Miss Palin had a political action committee supported the NRA supported gun rights and and so this editorial kind of put try to put some of the blame figuratively on uh, on Miss Palin and her pack uh, for what what had happened and so Miss Palin was obviously taken aback by this filed the lawsuit has stuck with it and and now now here we are so we're in federal court in New York um, and I'm sure. Miss Palin has already said she's, you know, if she loses this, she's taking it to the Supreme Court and the New York Times, the same thing. Hey, if we lose this, we're taking this to the Supreme Court. And this is something the Supreme Court would probably have to have to hear. So this this case has been around for a while. I think everybody expected it to get dismissed. That's what happens with a lot of these cases. And it looks like there's just enough here uh, to keep it moving. So it hasn't been dismissed. And now it's day four, five or six. I'm not sure what day we're in of the trial. And um I think most people think the New York Times will win at this level. Um, you know, this jury trial, you never know what a jury is going to do. But I, I think we're going to see this at the Supreme Court in a year or two. So this is this is something very interesting. And, it's, you know, the Supreme Court has not really limited this, ni- you know, this 1962 Sullivan v. New York Times has been the law of the land ever since with some mild, um, you know, case law here and there. But. I mean, we're sitting this 70 years since then, you know, and, and, and it may change a little bit. Who knows? And think about, think about how much has changed in 70 years, uh, especially with regards to how the news is, is put out there and the level of access and the 24-hour news cycle. And things are drastically different than they were at the time that this ruling, uh, this, the ruling we're, we're looking at previously came down. So, yeah, that's a good point, Joe. You know, news was delivered differently. Yeah. People thought differently about the news. I don't think people in the 60s, they probably trusted uh, the media a little more than people in the 2020s do. Um, so anyway, this is going to be something that we'll keep an eye on. Um, I, again, this is I don't think this is getting the attention it deserves. And in, in, as we always say, kind of the mainstream media, although it's being reported on. But I, I think this is pretty important. 
The outlaw lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firms, where you can find them during the week. They're the managing partners there, practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. And they have 46 combined years experience between the two of them. And offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. If you've got your own legal question, need an answer, here's a number for you. 800-659-1186. Again, that's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact information briefly what the call's about. And an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. Also, so you can send your questions to the program, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We'll answer them on a future show. And check out the website, theoutlawlawyer.com. We're back after this. The Outlaw Lawyers on the air. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer are your hosts. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm is where you can find a managing partners there, practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. 46 combined years of experience between these two. And again, offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. And we're throwing this number out in case you have a legal question of your own. 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact information, briefly what the call's about. And an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will return that phone call. You can also email your questions to the show, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We'll answer them on a future program. Guys, uh, we are... Man, we're, we're getting towards the end. Hard to believe. We're moving fast. What's up next? Morgan, uh, no-knock no warrants come up, a, come up a lot here lately. Um, you know, these are warrants that a judge would sign off on when uh, police are investigating someone. They need to do a search. They think the evidence could be destroyed um, if they take the time to announce themselves and, and, and do a normal uh, warrant, you know, serve a normal warrant. So these are what we call no knock warrants where the police don't really have to, there's some things they have to do, but they can pretty much enter right away and, and try to prevent evidence from being tampered, damaged, destroyed people getting away. And so these are a relatively recent invention. Um, and they're, they're kind of, I guess the easiest thing to say is they're, they're fraught with peril. And, and the most recent example um, up in Minnesota um, uh, Mr. Amir Locke, a gentleman, was um, asleep on his couch uh, with his. He had his gun with him, and they, the officers served this no-knock warrant. Kind of, they had a key, um, so they had a they had a warrant sign. They had gotten a key ahead of time, and so they just entered. Um, and it's kind of disturbing because uh, it doesn't look like Mr. Locke was doing anything wrong. It doesn't look like Mr. Locke was really the subject of the search. It sounds like they were looking for a cousin. Um, but it was an apartment the cousin known was known to have frequented. And so they go in here and we've got Mr. Locke who is on his couch with a gun asleep in his own apartment. And uh, I think I read somewhere, I don't know this to be, I didn't double check it, but you know, from body cam footage, the first officer gets in the apartment and then nine seconds later, Mr. Locke's deceased. Um, cause they storm in there and, um, just like you would expect a police officer serving a warrant, a SWAT team serving a warrant to do. They find him, he's armed, he gets up, he's armed, and he's he's shot and killed in his own apartment. So that's a pretty uh, shocking story that's going to get a lot of, I think it's already got a lot of press, but it's going to be, it's going to be getting a press for a while. But a lot of states, a lot of municipalities have outlawed this no-knock warrant. But you've, you've seen a lot of that in the news, Joe. Yeah, and it's a nightmare, man. This is a, a absolute nightmare scenario. It's uh, terrible. 
and it's something that you hate to hear about and it's super incredibly unfortunate and you know again we we like to we like to try to objectively look at these things and we like to try to look at both sides of the coin and you know it's obvious if you, if you look at this from from Mr. Locke's perspective anybody should have an issue with, with this because this is a, an individual that's in his own his own domicile he legally possesses this firearm he's not you know it's not like he's he's a criminal that's possessing it illegally and he's got no reason to suspect the police are going to be who who are busting into his apartment um it, it's it's a tragedy man simply put yeah you know i was i was thinking about that you know if that happened at, at my house yeah you don't you, you're just going to react you know and here you know i don't always have you know i legally possess guns you know but i don't always have a gun on me you know with me um but yeah if someone just busts in your house it's it, it's it you know we try to we try to again balance the equities and so obviously we need law enforcement and law enforcement you know is is you know keeps a lot of things uh working right in our society and so this is no bash on law enforcement i got a lot of family members in law enforcement but um you know it, it seems this just seems wrong right the fact that this happened you know, accidents, of course, happen. But here, a man is is dead who has done nothing at all wrong. And I think, I think we get hardened, right? You, I think we, as a society, the way things are reported to us, you have to either support, you know, the blue line. You have to hold the blue line, and you support law enforcement one hundred percent, or you you have to be anti law enforcement. You know, if you fall on that side, you can never, you know, say, you know, you're the defund the police side, which I think is a, is a small minority of the country. You know, it, it seems like you're forced one way or the other to be supportive of a hundred percent. Like here, this shouldn't have happened. You know, I think we have to reexamine and people are, you know, this should never happen. This is not something that, you know, a man shouldn't be killed in his own home because he was holding a legally owned firearm in his own home. This should not happen. And I think we it, have it to, shouldn't. Ever. Yeah, I think we have to be able to take a step back and no matter who, no matter what side of the, the fence you're on, um, you have to say, what can we do? Cause here, you know, I was reading a little bit about it and I haven't read as much as I wanted to. Um, but you know, they were, they, they had a lot of evidence. These cops had done their due diligence. They were tracking down, uh, Mr. Locke's cousin is accused. He's under, he's in custody now, but he's accused of murder and armed robbery. So we got some bad guys out there who've committed some crimes and we don't want those. We want those guys to pay the price for those crimes. We want the police to be able to investigate them, and and find those bad guys and 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 bring them in. And then if they're guilty, in theory, they'll be convicted. If if they're mistaken, they'll be released. You know, that's kind of how it's supposed to work. And so here, the cops had done a a lot of um, research. They had done a lot of investigations. They had tracked this particular Mercedes Benz that had been involved. It had been parked. There were three or four apartments they wanted to to search in this apartment building where uh, the, the quote unquote the bad guys have had been, and this was one of them. And they had gotten a no knock warrant signed and a and a regular warrant signed so that they could use either one depending on if they thought someone was getting away or, or whatever. And this SWAT team went with the no knock. But man, just a tough. You know, we're not always here to make predictions or, or kind of give answers. I mean, some things are just tough and I think you just have to kind of reexamine uh, the way we do stuff. And I was actually going to do some research on no knock warrants in North Carolina. I am not a criminal attorney by trade. May we have many fine criminal attorneys here in the firm, uh, but they're all in court today. I was going to talk to some of them about it before I, I got on the air here, but 
yeah, I think generally you're gonna you're gonna see a movement against these no knock warrants. You know, I'm, I'm sure they're useful in certain circumstances, but I know Florida, Oregon, Virginia, they already have bans. I think I saw the mayor of Baltimore, you know, talking about there may be a ban there. But uh, I think 13 states have explicitly um, banned no knock warrants. I think you probably see a lot more because it's it's tough. It's a tough issue. And you, what you touched on, Josh, that I want to go back to, that's I think is just super unfortunate that things have developed the way they have. And this this doesn't just apply to this argument. It kind of permeates a lot of political issues. And it's the fact that, like you said, it seems like at least at least the most vocal people come down so heavily on one side or the other of this argument. Like you said, it's, it's perceived at least if you're, if you keep up with social media and things like that, maybe that's a mistake. Maybe nobody should do that and take that to heart, but it just seems like so many people fall 100% on one side or 100% on the other side of so many issues when really everybody should have the ability to critically analyze both sides of, of the puzzle. And, you know, you can't just look at, everything that police do as being infallible and 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 look at it as there it's not subject to a deeper look at how things are done and a consideration of the other side um and you know public safety and, and keeping things like this from happening just like you can't go the defund the police route and not understand the difficulty that the police face every day and how incredibly difficult that job is and how they are protecting the public interest you know you i wish everybody could find a way to come to that that more middle ground where they can look at both sides and not get so stuck in one side of the argument because like you said you can look at it as the, the no-knock warrants they they serve a purpose in a lot of ways and like you know there's it's whether it be the, the destruction of evidence or whether it be you know the destruction of evidence being one thing i think the more important piece that could be used by someone trying to justify the no-knock warrants is you know threat to officer safety because there's bad guys out there, you know, that are that are killing people and the, the, the police and the public have a vested interest, obviously, in taking those folks down and safety can be an issue when when executing those warrants. Um, so so there is genuine concern. But at the same time, is it worth it? And, you know, this should never happen ever. This should and, and everyone should be so adamantly opposed to this happening you know, that everyone should really be up in arms about it and it should be reassessed. I tell you, it's, a, it's an incredible discussion about the no-knock warrant. Uh, we're going to probably revisit in future shows. We're up against the clock. We will take a short break. The Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, your hosts, Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, where you can find them during the week. If you've got your own legal question and you need an answer, call 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. And just leave contact information briefly what the call's about. An attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. You can also email your question to the show, and we'll answer it on a future program. Questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. on The Outlaw Lawyer. We're going to wrap things up. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate, your host for The Outlaw Lawyer, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, managing partners there. Again, 46 combined years experience in practicing attorneys here in the great state of North Carolina. Offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia. Guys, great show. 
Well, Morgan, there was a lot to talk about this week. I feel like there was a lot of interesting things in the news, and, and we only selected three to talk about, and it, it filled up the whole show. But I'll take a moment just to remind our listeners that Joe and I are practicing attorneys. We're the managing uh, partners of Whitaker and Hamer. And like Morgan mentioned, we have offices in Raleigh, uh, Clayton Garner, Fuquay Verena, Goldsboro, and our, our Gastonia, our newest office, is in that 4042 area. Uh, some people call Cleveland Back in the day, Cleveland Springs, uh, Garner area code, but uh, the 4042 office. And and our law firm is equipped uh, with attorneys who can help you. Uh, I always say most normal folks, we can help you with about any legal issue you're going to face during during your lifetime. And so we, you'll see on our advertising materials, a lot of times we'll say we're your law firm for life. But that's what we're geared up for is, you know, uh, to give you advice on many of the issues you might encounter. Uh, from day to day. So traffic tickets, criminal charges, uh, business law, uh, real estate law, family law, personal injury, car accident type stuff. So um, we we have a lot of folks that we kind of advise everybody uh, and their family. And so Joe and I, we've always, we talk about this from time to time where we consider ourselves attorneys and counselors at law. And we're here. If there's anything that we can do for you, any advice you need, you need an attorney, we'll gladly uh, talk to you. But um Joe, I guess uh, enjoy the enjoy the Super Bowl. I uh, I got to figure out who I'm going to root for now that I know who's in it. <laughs> yeah, you got to figure. I was going to say you got to figure out who's in it, and then you can figure out who, who you're going to root for. Um, root for root for Joe Burrow, man. He's got my same first name, uh, so he's got that going for him. And Burrow is a cool last name. I think it's a cooler name than Matthew Stafford. So just based on that alone. <laughs> You don't want to root for Matthew Stafford. He's a veteran. He's getting his chance for a Super Bowl. That doesn't grab you. Uh, Matthew Stafford, He just it just sounds like someone who wants to sell me like insurance or something, man. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, I think, uh, I think Cincinnati seemed to be the underdog. And, uh, you know, they took, care of the, they took care of the Chiefs who beat the Bills. That Bills game was crazy. But, but anyway, I'm all set. I got my cheesesteaks. We'll all right. Good. That sounds good, guys. Do, uh, do you have the cheesesteaks yet or no? They're coming, they're coming no. in, right? All right. No, they're coming in. Yeah. Enjoy the big game. I don't even think we can call it the, the S word. It's the big game. The Outlaw Lawyers in the books. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. We're back next week with more legal discussion. hosted by an attorney licensed to practice law in North Carolina. Some of the guests appearing on the show may be licensed North Carolina attorneys. Discussion of this show is meant to be general in nature and in no way should the discussion be interpreted as legal advice. Legal advice can only be rendered once an attorney licensed in the state in which you live had the opportunity to discuss the facts of your case with you. The attorneys appearing on the show are speaking in generalities about the law in North Carolina and how these laws affect the average North Carolinian. If you have any questions about the content of the show, contact us directly.